Charlie Kautz is the musician's physician. Dr. Kautz is based in Nashville, Tennessee, specializing in working with musicians of all kinds. Dr. Kautz takes a holistic approach to the musical performance, approaching it as one would approach an athlete on the field of play. He takes his training in sports medicine and applies it to the physical performance of guitarists, drummers, and even singers, helping them reach the pinnacle of their performance, and he is my guest today. What's up, everybody? My name is John Campioni, and this is the Rock Tape Podcast. All right, I am sitting here with Charlie. Charlie is the musician physician. I'm so glad I got that out without slipping up. Charlie, what's up? Hey, what's up, John? How are you? I'm doing well, man. I got to ask you too, when did you and I meet? Because I remember meeting you at one of the courses I was teaching. Um, Green Bay. It was a Green, Green Bay. Bay seminar. It probably would have been the Blade seminar maybe in 2016, if I had to guess. That's right. I was thinking St. Louis for some reason because you're in Nashville now. I'm but in what- Nashville now. I did live in St. Louis. I went to Logan okay. um, Co- College of Chiropractic in St. Louis. But I believe we met we met over a two day period in Green yeah. Bay when the blades had just come out. Oh, that's right. It was early around that time. Yeah. So you are a chiropractor, and you have a really fascinating uh, specialty and population that you work with. But kind of tell us a little bit about uh, your background. Um, what got you into healthcare? What made you go that chiropractic route? Gotcha. Um, so I grew up in Paducah, Kentucky, a small town in Western Kentucky. I was a cross country runner. I actually know Paducah. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's because of professional wrestling, but we'll set that aside. Really? I thought you were going to say it's because you're a quilter. It happens to be (laughs) city USA. I did not know that. Yeah. You learn something new every day and hopefully, uh, everyone learns a little bit something a little bit better than the fact that Paducah's Quilt City USA, but at, at least they learned that. Nice. <laughs> um, so I grew up in Paducah. I was a cross-country runner. Um, and the summer between my junior year and senior year, uh, I had a really good coach uh, who kind of came into the program and, and turned a lot of us mediocre runners into, into above-average runners just simply through proper training red, uh, programs. Um, we were doing a lot of high mileage. So unfortunately at one point early on in the season, I did come down with some, uh, shin splints that I was dealing with. Um, I went and saw a medical doctor, you know, in, in my small town of Paducah, Kentucky. And, uh, he spent about three, four minutes with me, uh, said, you know, barely touched my leg, you know, did really didn't do any functional orthopedic tests or anything. And, um, you know, said, oh, yeah, look, looks like shin splints. Here's some muscle relaxers. Uh, you need to stay off your feet completely for six weeks. Um, and then he walked out the door before I could a- ask any questions. So I was pretty heartbroken. Um, you know, I was doing really well. And uh, at, I just got news that my season was done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty beat up about it. And word got around to a cousin of mine um, who had just graduated from Logan this would have been in 2003. He had just graduated uh, and was practicing in Wisconsin, but had a, a colleague that actually ironically practiced in Paducah. So he goes, go see this, go see my buddy. And um, I didn't know why I was seeing a chiropractor for shin splints. I, you know, I had no idea, but I was willing to try anything at the time. So I went in there and long story short, the chiropractor got me running um, in two weeks. 
and I was able to uh, finish 13th in the state competition that year. So, you know, it was really a lesson on, more importantly, not to listen to your first opinion yeah. uh, and do a lot of independent research because, you know, had I listened to my first opinion, I would have, I would have just been done. Um, so that was what got me first into chiropractic. Like most of us, I think we all have stories similar to that. Totally um, common story, yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, that, that was how I got introduced to the field and um, attended University of Kentucky for four years, um, biology degree, um, and then ended up at Logan College of Chiropractic, um, attended and graduated in 2012. Um, and I was, uh, I was concurrently studying um, for my master's in sports science and re rehabilitation at Logan. Uh, yeah. Kind of how the whole musician thing started, um, which I'm sure is going to be your next question. So I'll just segue right <laughs> into that. Go for it. Nice job. <laughs> um, so I, I, was, I was like the guy in college and, and in chiropractic school that would rally the troops and get them to go to all the shows super passionate about music, listened to it all the time, um, dabbled in it and playing with it a little bit uh, w without any uh, much success. Um, but uh, um, I was also friends with a lot of bands um, by from just attending a lot of concerts. And I was kind of the guy that when a band would come through town, they'd crash in my, in my couch or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, I, so I was friends with a lot of people in the music industry. Um, and while I was studying sports rehab and sports injuries, I kind of realized that a lot of the, you know, I kept thinking, um, well, how are these movement patterns similar to the things musicians are doing? Um, and, 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 you know, everyone at the time wanted to be, you know, the Green Bay Packers chiropractor, the St. Louis Rams chiropractor. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of competition for it that I saw. So I said, I just had a light bulb moment. And I realized, wow, like musicians are athletes and nobody is taking care of them. Um, no one's trying to specialize them. There's just as many musicians out there as there are athletes. Um, this is all re the same repetitive um, motions and they're dealing with the same repetitive injuries. Um, and so I decided I'm going to start helping out musicians and applying these principles that I'm learning in school as a chiropractor. Um, and a sports rehab specialist um, to this demographic of people that I'm already connected with and that I already have a passion for. So it just kind of started as a seed. And um, after I graduated, I um, just really started hitting up some of these bands and it was a way for me to hang out backstage and contribute and help to the show. Um, <laughs> and, then it, and then I learned that there really is a need for it. Um, yeah. And no one, there's no one doing it. So I just, you know, I kept doing it and it became a thing. And then I branded it and, and now I'm here. Were you a, mu a musician yourself? Oh, I would, I would like to think that w one day I might be good enough to call myself a musician, but uh, not, I'm not really. I play. Do you play an instrument? What do you play? Um, I, I took uh, several years of piano lessons as a kid. Mm. Um, got, got into synthesizers pretty heavily in college and, um, and, uh, chiropractic school. I, there's actually a couple other, uh, people that were at Logan with me that lived next door that at, when we were done studying every night, we'd always hang out and have some jam sessions and stuff. Uh, nice. but, uh, I, I play a lot of, uh, ukulele now actually. 
Really? Yeah, I live in a small apartment in downtown Nashville, so there's not much room <laughs> for anything else. So we gotta downsize. But well, you um, you make amazing points too. Is and you know I got this with all my colleagues in school. Is you know everybody wanted to be uh, uh, the the sports chiropractor for an athletic team for athletes, and I mean it's it's very rare to you know get the opportunity to work with those high level athletes. But there's so many. I don't want to say low level, younger athletes. There's so many people that aren't at the the peak of their sport that still need your help. And you said it perfectly is there are so many musicians out there that are doing athletic things. They're doing movement patterns. They're doing repetitive movement patterns. And there's probably a great deal of variety between uh, someone who plays a guitar for a living versus a drummer. So you have to probably analyze a lot of different patterns and really start to see that there's certain injuries for certain types of instruments. Is this something that you knew about ahead of time or did you just kind of, you know, get your feet wet and jump in head first? Uh, it's, it's a concept and an idea that was, that, that came to me when, when, when we were studying athletes, you know, if we study, you know, if we were studying a baseball pitcher, we were analyzing certain movement patterns and muscles involvement and, you know, structural uh, changes that are made because of the sport that that individual is participating in. I mean, he's doing the same thing every day uh, yeah. and putting stress on the same joints and the same ligaments and the same muscles. And, you know, so it, I was like, well, mu musicians could work in the same way. And you're exactly correct. You know, if you have a drummer, he's sitting in the same position and doing the same movement patterns for hours and hours every day. Um, and here's the reality of the situation too, is we're all humans. Um, and we all have a big elephant in the room that usually only people, practitioners like, like us are talking about and that's, or are really concerned about, and that's the age of technology. Yeah. Uh, so just making a certain demographic aware of something that we're all dealing with as humans, that's, that's, that's really a problem, um, for our long-term health. Um, it is important. So I like to kind of um, use my position and uh, do what I can to just spread awareness of not only the certain types of conditions and injuries that musicians are dealing with, but the certain, but making them also aware of the types of stuff that we're all dealing with as humans. Yeah. And I'm fascinated to go a little bit deeper into that. You know, what sort of, um, maybe if you want to kind of relate it to common injuries that you see, but I, I'm fascinated by patterns. I think that's why, you know, I do what we do. Um, and just seeing how the body moves and the fascination of the, you know, the human body is so capable of so many amazing things. Um, and then when you start to train that, what, what else they can do. So talk to us a little bit about different artists, different instruments, and some of the different things that you see, the commonalities, the common injuries that you see when it comes to, you know, one instrument versus another. Um, so it's a, a lot of it is piecing together patterns. So for example, if I have a drummer, um, you know, traditionally, let's, you know, most people are right-handed. So let's say you have a right-handed drummer. Well, they'll use their right arm on the ride cymbal. Um, so the shoulder will be an adduction and internal rotation for a good period of time while he's per, uh, performing. And as you know, because of technology, all our shoulders are trending that way anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so then if you have a drummer, right-handed drummer, who's also spending 
six, seven, eight hours a night sleeping on his right side with his shoulder in that position too. He's almost, he's almost spending his 24 hours uh, every day with his shoulder completely adducted, internally rotated. And, and they wonder why they have shoulder problems. And it's yeah. like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just making them aware of these things and educating them and then counterbalancing that with, you know, some specific targeted treatments, but more importantly, um, counteractive exercises and functional rehabilitation stuff that they can just do on their own, on the road, at home, mm-hmm. just telling them to stop sleeping on their right shoulder. I mean, it's just a simple thing that, you know, it should be common knowledge in this industry, but it's just, it's not. So um, mm-hmm. providing education like that is, is crucial. Um, you know, if I have a guitarist um, and he's using pick, a, a guitar pick for the majority of his uh, performance or while he's practicing, you know, think about how he's engaging the pollicis muscle so consistently on that side. So I'm working the tendons and the uh, muscles and the joints that are involved in with that specific um, with that specific position and that specific motion and movement. So you know, there's a lot of different muscles that are engaged that need to be worked on. Um, so, I, you know, I'm doing a lot of upper extremity stuff really with musicians, sure. yeah. uh, cause that's primarily what they're doing. So, you know, and that's what I enjoy treating, but, uh, you start to see a lot of the same patterns, you know, a basis will usually lean either, on, uh, to the left side or the right side. So he's experiencing a lot of pelvic SI joint hip stuff. Um, so we're just analyzing those things, you know, I'll, I'll learn more after I watch them perform, you know, a lot of times the first time I work with a band, I'm working on them and then I watch them afterwards and then I'm, oh yeah, that's why this is happening. So uh, you start to form relationships with these mus- musicians and analyze their movements on stage and you start to learn a lot. Um, like we do with yeah. all our patients. It's just yeah. all those principles we learned in school to a specific demographic. It's a perfect example of something we say a lot in our rock tape courses is any, any movement can be a screen. And this is, you know, just, just a beautiful example is if I have a, a guitarist, I really can't analyze them other than when they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And there's no movement assessment or screen that I can necessarily do in my office that's as close to that as I want it to be. So it's so cool to kind of see just how everything connects there. And with your sports medicine background too, it's just like appreciating a different athlete, you know, uh, baseball a thrower, a pitcher, let's say, versus uh, versus when they're at bat. It's very different, but also in a way similar mechanics at the same time too. Do you see a lot of common injuries uh, that maybe someone listening to this who does work with some uh, musicians might be uh, on the lookout for? Um, you know, it's mostly RSI and it's mostly for, in the forearms, wrist, the elbow. I mean, I'm doing a lot of elbow tendonitis a lot of lateral medial epicondylitis stuff. You know, a lot of people come in thinking they have carpal tunnel, but that's a very overdiagnosed uh, um, condition. If it, uh, anybody has hand stuff, they're like, oh, it's carpal tunnel. Yeah. Not all, not all the time. In the hands, it's carpal tunnel. So, you know, and, and so a lot of it is just trying to identify the actual uh, source of the problem and then educating that. You know, the big thing I found with musicians is, is most of their issues and problems are completely self-resolvable you know i i can treat them and it'll help but the Mm -hmm. most important thing we can do as practitioners for musicians because most of the time the prop the source of their problem is all 
it's it's not like they slipped slipped and uh, fell on stage and hurt themselves. It's it, it's all cumulative and it's all habitual. So yeah. trying to find that habit, that source, that problem, and then educate them on how they they can take care of it on their own. Yeah. Um, you know, we it certainly helps to come see us um, every sure. once in a while. It's like uh, getting an oil change, as as you know. But uh, but um, you know, I think education is key. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious, do you see, and you know, I'm, I'm a big heavy metal fan. So I love that deep bass drum, especially that machine gun style of the bass drum. And I, I think to myself, you know, when I listen to Metallica and Lars, Lars Ulrich, you know, hitting that bass drum with the speed that he is, I don't think my shins can take that. Do you see a lot of, uh, lower extremity issues with different musicians and I, i'm my what's coming to mind as i'm saying is drummers you know yeah and and you think that. That, you would think that but i think a lot of that is is uh is all it's such a kinetic movement that they're actually not engaging really uh, as much as you would think i you don't see very many lower extremity issues um hips are common um and i like i said i with a basis they're carrying a instruments weigh over 30 pounds so you gotta think about adding 30 pounds on to to your body while you're on stage i didn't realize that bases are about 30 pounds yeah i mean i knew they were heavy i didn't realize they're that heavy yeah they i mean they can be lighter but i mean okay yeah but you know between 20 and 30 pounds is is very Yikes. very common so um and we're yeah we're we're working on a lot of uh you know fibular movement restoring fibular motion um and uh and, and working on all the muscles that are involved. But a lot of it is just depends on the exact musician mm-hmm. uh, is presenting symptoms and then, um, and then being able to analyze that. But I wouldn't say there's really a common, a common one or, you know, there's not really anything that stands out in terms of just being something I see in every musician. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of it is all, like I said, related to the fact that they're just humans and we're all addicted to technology. So, you know, and they spend a lot of time on a tour bus or on the road. So yeah. they're spending a lot of time glued to their phones, just like the rest of us. Just passing um, time. Yeah. And I think the big difference, um, between an athlete and a musician, traditionally speaking, is that athletes are in very good shape. They're sure. usually very physically fit. Um, they're usually doing, uh, healthy things for themselves nutritionally. Um, and they usually have a lot of healthcare practitioners under the sun that are advising them and taking care of them on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, and traditionally musicians are not. Um, so, uh, just making them aware of basic nutritional things that they can do to, I mean, just drinking water, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's simple, but you know, there's a, a we're chronically dehydrated as a human race and just making them aware of, um, of those types of things and, and, and giving them basic postural counteractive exercises and, um, you know, posterior muscle group strengthening stuff. I mean, to drop, to just help counteract the daily wear and tear that we're all experiencing is crucial. Yeah. That's a great point point too um i mean <clears throat> what, what's coming to mind is i mean even regardless of venue re- regardless of of status you're up on stage there's probably some lights involved it is a very physical thing to to play an instrument for a long period of time they're probably sweating quite a bit so yeah that's a really good point with how much water they're consuming 
um, not only before and after, but during, you know, do they have a lot of opportunities to really, you know, take a break and get some water during their set? Usually it's tequila. Usually it's tequila. <laughs> there is water. No, I'm not even going to try to make yeah. that, make that excuse. <laughs> it's my coffee excuse. Well, I made it with water. Um, I'm curious, do you work with a lot of singers specifically? I do. I do. I do work with a lot of singers. So we're doing a lot of accessory muscle work. Um, I'm doing a lot. I'm getting really big into diaphragmic stuff. Um, I would like to get in, uh, to dive into Alexander technique because that's a big technique that musicians traditionally have utilized to help with this type of stuff. So, so I know a little bit about it, but anybody who, who's unfamiliar and just to explain it a little bit further, tell us a little bit about Alexander technique. Uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not that like, I, I want to dive into it because okay. I'm not familiar with it as well, but it focuses on breathing. It's a, it's a breathing based, uh, rehabilitative technique and, mm-hmm. uh, it's big in the music industry. Uh, but, but it's, you know, I'm a, I'm coming from a chiropractic background and then, you know, I, I'm an ART provider. So I, I do a lot of soft tissue stuff. So that's usually been my, um, my bread and butter. Um, but, uh, I know that's something that, uh, musicians are utilizing, um, in terms of, uh, vocalists and wind instrumentalists. Yeah. Do you find with your singers, a lot of times the problems that come up are very much, related to breathing diaphragmatic work or do they have kind of the traditional musculoskeletal conditions? No, I would say it's actually mostly related to stress and wear and tear. Um, Ah. that manifests itself, um, physically. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with just the rigors of being on the road. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your voice is very susceptible to that. Um, and so, you know, I, I, that's usually what we try to target in our treatments with, with, with vocalists. Um, but you know, a lot of times they're working with a vocal coach and you know, if they're a bigger, higher, higher profile musician, um, and, uh, that, uh, what's not being looked at is the accessory muscles. So we're looking at, uh, SEM, we're looking at, you know, all those muscles that are involved scalings, you know, we're looking at all those muscles that are involved, uh, that that vocal coach might not be looking at and taking yeah and treating that might be a source of the problem, especially um, in, in the age where we're living in. Are you doing, I guess, what kind of screening assessment process would you do on a singer? You, you know, I mentioned before with a guitarist, the best way to really analyze them is watch them play. With a singer, it's kind of difficult. You know, you don't necessarily have the, uh, in your office, the ability to have them belt out the way they would during a performance. They might not be as animated as they might be during a true performance. So I'm curious to know what sort of assessment would you do for an actual singer? Most of the time I'm working in green rooms and on the road. So they are able to belt out. Uh, <laughs> so like during their vocal warm-up, yeah, maybe? It's not a quiet place in my office by any means, but um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, they are very self-aware of that, more so than we are. Um, and there are apps, uh, there are vocal warm-up apps that they're using now. And so they're able to know right away what pitch they're at. Um, oh, cool. So, you know, that's what I've looked at and have used as a baseline measurement as just uh, the pitch that they're used to being at. They can track that. Data can be saved. So, it's, there's re- you know, technology has come a long way. And uh, for vocalists in particular, there are ways to track and measure that. 
That stuff is so way over my head. I'm like, there's so much interesting science into that is hitting uh, the right pitch and, you know, being on tune, uh, so to speak. It's yeah, just fascinating stuff. Realm. You know, frequencies and I mean, that's yeah. a whole nother dimension and it's, it's really cool. It's um, amazing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, with, with singers, it's, I mean, it's crucial because that's what people are honing in on. That's the lead in in a performance and you know that's the that's the thing about what i do <clears throat> working with musicians is musicians treat every show in the same way an athlete would treat a huge uh competition yeah you know? um it's important and everything has to be perfect and spot on and a lot of what i do and a lot of the musicians i work with might not necessarily be in pain um but the protocols that we're, we're trying to provide for them are all catered towards performance enhancement. So whenever I'm treating a musician, I'm, I, I'm trying to think and do the things in my head that are, okay, how can I make this perform? How can I make them move better, feel better? So it manifests itself in the performance. Um, that's kind of a little quote that I've started using is uh, feel good, move better, perform your best. Um, I like that. Yeah, which is kind of my manifesto. That's what we're trying to achieve. Um, and, you know, it all ties in together. Um, if they feel good, they're going to, and they're moving better, they're going to, that's, they're going to play better. Um, yeah. And that's important to them. Um, so that's kind of what we're trying to achieve with vocalists, with guitarists, any musician we're working with, any patient we're working with. You know, if a high school, yeah. a high school basketball player comes in and we're doing, you know, it's the same thing. So, yeah. Um, so I think it's important to, to keep those goals, patient goals in mind. It's such an important thing to remember. We, from, a, uh, from a societal standpoint, we change the word performance to automatically mean sports. And that's just, that's just wrong. Uh, it does mean it does involve sports, but it also involves being an artist, being on stage. It also involves, you know, being a parent, you know, there's, there's performance there. I think we kind of take that word and make it mean one thing specifically, but you're absolutely right. Performance if, mean getting up out of your bed and first thing in the morning and just making it to your car to go to work and getting, you know what I mean? It's just, it's yeah. relative. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to these people achieve the things that they're came in to see. They came in to see us because they weren't able to do those things. So yeah, yeah. Um, how can we implement our um, techniques and knowledge to, to help them achieve that? That's a great, great point. Um, so before we get to kind of talking about uh, you being on the road, which I'm fascinated about, tell us a little bit about your, um, your actual practice in Nashville, your office. So I just moved here. Yeah. Uh, I kind of, I kind of, uh, where'd you come from? Were you in St. Louis? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're so, in Milwaukee, right? Yeah. So I moved to Milwaukee, uh, actually, a town about 20 minutes outside of Milwaukee called Pewaukee. Um, I practiced <laughs> there for about seven, seven years, um, in a, in a traditional clinic. And, uh, then I started doing the musician thing and it developed. And then, you know, I realized that was where my passion lied. And it was something that I wanted to pursue full time. So moving to music city made a lot of sense. Um, you know, tours are routed through Nashville. Uh, I just read something the other day where there's, uh, 60,000 people that live in Nashville that are, that work in the music, the touring music industry. Wow. Which is, which is incredible. Um, so, you know, it makes a lot of sense for me to be here when I'm trying to brand it and kind of 
make it my thing full time. Um, what was your question? <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. Specifically, uh, your uh, your your office in Nashville, oh, and then, yeah. then I'm curious about when you're on the road. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Um, so my office is, uh, it's actually kind of like a WeWork building, but everyone in here is, uh, in the music industry. So we got John Oates, his publicist down the hall. We got a Martin guitar artist showcase room right next to me. Oh, cool. Um, so it's a really cool building. Um, it's really conducive to, um, to my demographic. Uh, it's in downtown Nashville. So, uh, I'm within walking distance of, you know, several music venues. Um, you know, and my practice is mostly with musicians, it's mostly been mobile based, um, where I've gone on site, um, in the same way someone would go to, um, you know, the baseball stadium and set up in the locker room. Um, that's what I've been doing at music venues. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of that is because these touring musicians, they, I mean, a big problem is the lack of access to healthcare. So I've tried over the years to figure out how we can make healthcare and chiropractic more accessible to these musicians. And the best way to do that is to bring it to them. And, you know, there's a big movement in the mobile based chiropractic world anyway. So I, you know, I, I think it makes sense for a lot of people, not just musicians, but especially a touring musician, if he's dealing with an injury. He can't go see a, you know, do a new patient, you know, new office, tell his story to, you know, to a different chiropractor in every single city. So yeah, uh, it's nice to have, to bring it to them and, 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 and make it a lot easier for the tour. They're, they're limited on time. Um, so that's been primarily my practice. Um, we've also started to uh, uh, incorporate pop-up wellness clinics on site at music festivals. So for the production team and the artists that are on the bill. So there's been some music festivals that have been really cool and really open to trying to implement these services for these people, uh, which has been a big vision and goal of mine for years. Um, so yeah, it's been primarily mobile based, but my, I, I do have an office here that I can see and treat people out of. Um, and, and as I said, there's a lot of uh, musicians and touring professionals that just live here. Um, that want to come see me. So it's developing. My ultimate goal is just to open up a kind of almost a musician's health institute where we have multiple practitioners um, of all different kinds, um, all catered and treating touring musicians. So it's kind of like a mecca. Uh, it's kind of my ultimate goal. And to, I think Nashville is a really appropriate city for that. Absolutely. Um, how much uh, do you travel for different musicians? Is it something like, you know, you've worked with somebody in Nashville specifically and they ask you to kind of come with you? Do you have a route that you typically do or do you do, just go to specific festivals? Uh, yeah. So I kind of keep my eyes on tour schedules and usually because I'm moving uh, quite frequently, I I mean, if some, someone's coming through the same city as me, it was Milwaukee. So mm -hmm. Madison, Milwaukee, and Chicago were kind of the three yeah. uh, markets that I was, that if a band was coming through, they'd contact me for. Now it's Nashville. Um, but a lot of times I'm doing, um, you know, two or th spending two or three days at any given time with a band or a tour. Um, it might be in the middle of the tour, kind of as a mid-tour pit stop you know, where I can see and educate and treat people for the entire day or two 
Um, and then they, they just go on their way and take with them what they learned. And then we're in communication via email after that, if they're dealing with something right. uh, a little bit more, more severe. Um, so mostly it's, it, it's one, two or three days at a time that I'm treating bands. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of times it's one. So it's just, if they're coming through Nashville, I'm here, I come by, I set up, I take care of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I'm, if I notice that I'm going to be in the same place at the same time as another, uh, as you know, like, so I'm going, heading to a music festival, um, Saturday for the day with a band from Nashville. So I'm jumping on the bus with them. We're going down there. And then there's four or five other acts at that music festival that I've worked with in the past. So I contact them and I say, Hey, I'm going to be here. We set up a time block and I take care of them while I'm there. So it's kind of just a lot of just figuring out the logistics to make it happen. Cool. That takes a lot of work, man. Are you doing that by yourself or you got someone helping you? I I am, unfortunately. Uh, (laughs) I need to hire someone, but you know, we're working towards that. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, I know I get a lot of questions, uh, you know, talking to different docs. How do you get, you kind of told us throughout, through your story is, you know, how do you kind of help build this network for you? Is it something you're doing actively just trying to reach out or um, because of kind of how you came up in there and with the music business, you started to build this network organically and then you just start to get people that kind of recommend your name. Yeah, most of it is word of mouth or just me being everywhere, you know, and physically talking to, you know, talking to these people in physical form. It's hard to really communicate what we are and what we're trying to, what we can do for musicians. I mean, it really is, you know, so it's something that you have to connect with these people uh, connect with these people in person and, and talk to them about their story and about their issues and about how you can help and then, and then, and then let them experience it. Uh, so a lot of it for the first several, you know, for the first four years I was doing this was all just organic, um, and slowly building up that base. And a lot of people in the music industry have heard about it at this point, but, um, you know, it's, it, it, eventually I would like for it to be a more automatic thing where it's, you know, where there's just an, a, a go-to network, you know, you look up at a rock tape provider on their portal, you know, sure. it, it would be cool to have a portal that had a lot of musician friendly chiropractors and PTs and health healthcare providers who are trained in certain protocols. Um, so we're working towards that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, but your, that's your next business venture. So start that website. Yeah, right. There we go. I, just need, I need one more thing, John. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been it's been really cool to to kind of open up a demographic to healthcare because uh, this is not a thing. It's not a very it's not not as much as it should be. Yeah. Uh, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, which makes. Which makes which makes working with them the first time a little bit tougher because it, there's not, you know, a lot of times there's not set budgets for this kind of stuff. There's not, it's just not a common thing, and the industry kind of strives on uh, doing things that have been done millions of times and have worked. And mm-hmm. so you're introducing a concept to them that's new a lot of times. Um, and by them, I mean management teams and venues and promoters and things like that. But 
they get it, you know? So it's, it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that too. I always kind of considered like athletes and musicians to almost be kind of on the forefront of some of the more, um, you know, uh, alternative aspects of healthcare. So it's interesting that you say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they, and they are, um, it's just trying to logistically make it work. I'm talking about the on, on the road stuff. Right. Logistically that it's, when you think about it, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, it's not like, you know, with a sports team, they get it because everyone associates, you know, performance with, with athletes. And, yeah. you know, I'm not a lot of people associate physical performance with musicians. Um, so the on the road stuff can be logistically difficult, um, to figure out ways to do it. I mean, it took me years to figure it out. Um, and to, you know, know the right people to allow me to do it. But, um, but you're, you're totally correct. And musicians do get a lot of that. I mean, they, they understand a lot of that stuff. Um, and it's, and it's easy to see them, which is why I have a clinic here in Nashville because, you know, I'm, I'm not just doing the on the road stuff, but I think the on the road stuff is necessary because a lot of times, you know, when they are on the road and they are on are touring, that's when they're hurting the most. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still kind of that, uh, work, work that still needs to be done to kind of get that out there too. And it's nice to see, I, I, you mentioned it before about mobile, mobile practitioners. I do see that a little bit more commonly now, actually. It's interesting. I, I didn't think I know anybody who does that, but I know a handful of people that that's kind of their specialty is just kind of roaming around. So <clears throat> you were actually featured in the blog on uh, rock tape recently um, tell us about that experience. What you got, what were you guys chatting about a little bit? Probably everything we're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. It was similar. Uh, it was, it was great. Uh, Mandy, uh, wrote that and interviewed me and it was, it was a pleasant experience. And, uh, I've done, you know, I've been doing stuff with rock tape for several years. Um, it was funny. I, you know, started using tape, you know, like most of us were introduced to, um, K, uh, K tape in school and, didn't start using rock tape until a couple years after. And I just, I was like, Whoa, this is way more sticky. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like, I can't remember why I went to a seminar, but I went to a seminar and what I love so much about, uh, the seminar is that we barely talked about tape, (laughs) you know? And I was like, Oh, because for me, I just didn't never really understand the whole concept of, Oh, you have low back pain. Here's how we tape for low back pain. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, you know, well, is this person flexion, flexion intolerant or you know what you know what's the source of the low back pain I just didn't get it um I thought that was a big flaw so what I liked about the rock tape seminar is that you know we barely talked about tape we were talking about movement and a lot of other things and you know and then at the end it was like well here's how we could apply that you know and it's it's kind of like if I have 50 people I tape, I'm going to tape them 50 different ways. It just depends on what their problem is, what's structurally going on, you know, so there's no set protocol. So a lot of that is just based on clinical knowledge and being aware of, uh, you know, the issue. Um, so I like that about rock tape. And, and then I was like, wait, it's called rock tape. I'm working with rock stars. So <laughs> I hit up, uh, I, it, it might have been from you. I can't. Oh uh, no! I think it was someone else. I think it was whoever was at that first seminar I went to. I was. I went up to him and I. It was the instructor and I explained what I did and I was like, "Hey, I'm trying to get a hold of your marketing director," and they gave me Stefano's uh, contact info. 
Nice. And uh, so I hit him up and uh, he loved the idea of kind of, I was like, hey, I want to be a brand ambassador. I love your product. Um, so it made a lot of sense. And we've yeah. had a really solid relationship since the, the company and I. And, um, and I mean, it was funny just yesterday, right before I come on this podcast, just yesterday I was at the farmer's market in Nashville and I had a rock tape shirt on. And uh, I went to a juice, I got, went and grabbed a juice and the girl at the counter was like, hey, are you, are you a rock tape rep? And I'm like, no, I'm kind of like a brand ambassador. Like I really, I'm a chiropractor in town. I really love their product. She goes, man, I, I ran cross country in high school a couple years ago. And she goes, I had shin splints and stress fracture. I was dealing with my foot. I said, I saw a lot of people for it. And finally someone gave me some rock tape and showed me how to use it. And said, I was, I was able to run and compete nice with rock thanks to rock tape and i said well i'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure i bring that up on the podcast i'm doing tomorrow so here i am <laughs> fantastic um, but i had a similar story and i just thought it was really cool yeah totally. um, you know and really coincidental that, that 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 was being brought up um so uh you know that was kind of my introduction to rock tape and the company uh yeah. and it's been it's been fun yeah. And uh, that takes us into a really good question. Actually, what are some of your favorite tools? You know, you have your, your standalone practice, then you have uh, you practicing on the road a little bit as well too. What is in your toolkit and what are some of the things that you're using a lot of times with these musicians? Um, so I, I'm, a, I use I, IASTM, so instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization quite a bit. So I have the Mohawk in my, in my toolkit. Um, I'm using that on the upper extremity quite a bit. Mostly. You- do you like the Mohawk compared to some of our, our other blades? I do like the Mohawk. Yeah. It travels well. It really does. It travels well. I just don't I, – I think I like the way it feels in my hand. I'm know. the same way. Like, I know I'm super biased, but that is the best handling tool I've ever held. Like, it, it feels so good. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'm, I'm using that on a, on a lot of tendonitis issues. Um, and, you know, just to uh, – just to – for neural stimulation, you know, and yeah. – uh, um, I also am using the rock pods a lot and I was kind of, I'm kind of surprised cause at first I, I just never really got it. I just never really thought about getting into cupping, um, mm-hmm. the course, uh, in green Bay through Brett Sanders that was teaching it. Yeah. And, uh, this was a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, right when they came out actually. So, mm-hmm. um, and I took it just to learn more about it, but never really thought I'd get into cupping, but you know, I like those things a lot and I'm using them a lot and I'm not using them in the way I thought I would. Um, I'm using them. I'm in court. I'm at having a patient active, actively do a lot of ART protocols with the cups on the origin and the insertion and nice works really well. It saves my hands. Um, and it's something that I can have them do, um, on their own to try to, and then they are learning kind of the stretches and the techniques that they need to do at home to, to work those muscles too. Um, so it's kind of been a cool thing that I've started to do, um, just incorporating the pods with active release protocols. Um, I've also, you know, I, I have them go through, um, functional rehabilitation exercises, uh, with the pods on just to get, um, a little bit of extra oomph, um, blood flow, break up fossil restriction. So it's been really cool um, to kind of start to use those and dive into something that I didn't really think that I would have, um, but they've worked really well and people really like them too. Yeah. Um, they get good feedback. Um, 
I, I imagine the pods, honestly, you could slap that on a guitarist and be like, hey, play, play a few bars or something like that. Yep. Well, the small one fits really nice, right? And even the cup of a hand, you know, because it's yeah. small and it's flexible. So like where as a glass cup would not be, able, you wouldn't be able to do that. You can do that with a smaller rock pod. Um, so I really like them. Um, I bring those everywhere I go. I bring them, the Mohawk everywhere I go. Um, and of course, use ta- the tape um, mostly to promote optimal movement patterns um, and to stabilize stabilize structural um, issues. So, you being uh, work somebody who works with rock stars is uh, you know style is a very important thing. Is there a certain color or design of rock tape that you are uh, using as a go-to for a lot of your rock stars? Well, I'm upset. Uh, you know, my logo color is lime green, and yeah. they just discontinued the lime. So I'm. Hurt. Oh no! <laughs> I know. If I was using lime and black a lot. Black is kind of the unofficial, uh, you know, team color of the music industry. Ever, you know, rock star black. So uh, <laughs> black is big. A lot of times, they just want to wear black. You know, you'll get the you'll get some animated uh, musicians and stage performers sometime that'll just want the weirdest, craziest thing that I got <laughs> in my arsenal that day. So, do you have a big variety for a personality like that? Just uh, I usually have like five or six different kinds of uh, tape on me, yeah. and I just kind of let them pick or uh, or go from there. But <laughs> uh, yeah, we have fun with it, um, and and they love it. You know, it's it, it gets really good feedback, and a lot of times I'll give them several strips to with them up take with them on the road and then they'll they'll order on their own from there yeah Um, but yeah it's it's i got a lot of uh it's kind of funny too because a lot of times i'll be at a festival or something and a musician will come up to me and be like hey i saw blah 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 you must have treated him because he's walking around with tape on you know so now it's you know at least in the music industry a lot of times people have associated tape with the mark of being treated by dr charlie so <laughs> that's awesome you don't even need your logo on the tape at that oh, point just, yeah 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 exactly <laughs> that's so cool man yeah um I'm, I'm so curious i thought of this as as you were talking you know we we're making a big comparison between uh musicians and athletes and athletes always have a lot of funny superstitions so i'm curious do you have any examples some of the musicians that you work with, weird superstitions. Because you were talking about before how it's very much like preparing for a game. They got to get themselves in a certain uh, state of mind. I'm so curious if that you know of any particularly weird uh, superstitions. Uh, not really weird ones. There's a lot of people that are meditating now before. before That's great. Game, which I think is amazing. Um, I've seen meditation rooms that are now uh, becoming a thing backstage a lot of times they're my treatment rooms and then closer to the show they turn into the meditation room so um that's become a a a kind of i guess a somewhat of a ritualistic thing in the industry which is very positive in nature uh you know a lot of times the band will all take a shot of tequila or something together before they go on stage so what i've tried to do is say hey guys instead of that why don't you take a shot of this ginger juice so I have another thing that I do is I make I juice raw ginger and mix it with like carrot and lemon and honey and uh, it's kind of like an energetic boost. I mean, if you've ever taken a shot of raw ginger, it wakes you up. I was just gonna say that's got a kick like whiskey or tequila would too. So and it's got a kick. So I'm like, hey guys, let's do this instead. And and so that's kind of become you know I try to make make that you know I'm just trying to kind of add some positive elements. <laughs> 
and, and into the scene. Um, but, uh, but yeah, nothing really weird or crazy that I can think of offhand. You know, a lot of people will get a tattoo on every tour or something like oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, um, but, but not really, not really anything I can think of. Yeah. No weird writers or anything like that. Like all brown uh, M&Ms. Yeah, no, that's kind of frowned upon, you know. Um, is that a is that a myth? Or is that just like some yeah, story that got blown out of proportion? The people doing that are the really the smaller acts who are like, you know, kind of like first getting on the road and they think it's a thing, but then it's not. <laughs> I would like for them to start putting chiropractor on the on the rider. I think that that's gonna that's needs to be the new thing. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Like specifically asking for like a healthcare team. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That would be really cool, man. All right, Charlie. Well, that is uh, – I was hoping for some crazy stories, but, man, I, that's re- more realistic. Hey, it would be a HIPAA violation. So, you know, I, I wasn't asking for names. For not, no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Charlie, let everybody know where they can find you in Nashville and where they can find you on social media or get a, get a hold of you. Yeah, so I'm uh, my social media handle on Instagram is at musicians with an S physician. Um, my website's www.drcharliecouts, c h a r l i e k a u t z dot com. Um, Dr. Charlie Couts on Twitter, um, and you can find me. My Facebook page is uh, Dr. Charlie Couts, musicians physician. You're gonna be traveling anywhere uh, coming up? You, oh, you uh, just—you said you're gonna be in. Uh, headed to Atlanta this weekend for Atlanta. Festival. Nice. Uh, and then October is honestly super busy with a bunch of shows that I'm working all in the Nashville area. Uh, nice. October is traditionally a pretty bit tour-heavy month, um, okay. so there's a lot of shows in, in Nashville. Um, there's a lot of good shows here all the time, but a lot of bands I I've worked with for quite a while are all passing through town, so. Uh, I'm busy taking care of them and I'll be here still trying to uh, develop the clinic. And um, so if anyone's in Nashville, I'm happy to take care of you. Fantastic. Well, make sure you guys reach out to Charlie, especially if you're, you know, a student or a doc that is getting into, wants to get into rather working with uh, musicians. He is the guy to go to uh, Dr. Charlie Couts at uh, .com and at musicians physician with the S. Make sure you remember that on Instagram and Twitter and make sure you check out the Rock Tape blog. Uh, I believe, did you tell me they're going to do a part two coming up soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm working on that now. Okay, great. It should be coming out uh, probably in the next week or two. Awesome. So check out part one and then, uh, you know, stay on baiting breath for that that part two. It's uh, it's like a movie sequel. It's going to be really fun. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Charlie, thank you so much for taking the time, man. This was a great conversation. Yeah, and thanks for having me, John. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, man. Take care. 